This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Well, we are continuing our uh, our quest to share some of the great material and, and great talks that we had at our National Summit a few weeks ago. So this week, we wanted to share with you a talk that was given by Nate Sweeney, who's a, a pastor of Catalyst Church here in Bentonville, Arkansas. He's also on our global board. And nobody gets abiding in Christ more than Nate does. And John Van Linton helped the men understand what they need for the journey as far as being in God's Word and, and following His Spirit. And Nate got to follow up that talk with his talk, kind of really diving into what it really means to be a, the real deal, to really be abiding in Christ and and uh, to to follow Him in a, in a way that's, that's not fake. And, uh, and realizing uh, it's going to take personal abandonment and absolute trust. And so... The title of his talk was Tightening Your Grip by Letting Go. So here's Nate Sweeney from Soto. Enjoy. Well, you guys stay, stay standing real quick. We'll go ahead and just say one more. Lord, we just love you. We thank you, Father God, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for the ministry of the Spirit, Lord God, that you've given us. We can do all things, Lord Jesus, because of you and through you. And we thank you for this time, Lord, that it is a time of excitement, a, a time of joy, a time of uh, biblical mourning where we are laying things out before you, Lord, and we know that you said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. We thank you, Father God, this is a time where we get to experience your presence and brotherhood. And we just thank you right now, Jesus. We invite your presence, the person of the Holy Spirit. We know you're here, but you're always here, but are we, are we in tune with what you're doing? And so in these next few moments, I thank you that uh, this will continue to move on our hearts in the sense of whatever you have for each one of us. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what a sweetness. And all the men of God said, amen. amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Well, my name's Nate, and I appreciate the opportunity Today I'll be uh, addressing the conversation, as Rocky said, tightening your grip by letting go. And I want to give you just a couple thoughts that I believe the Lord's laid on my heart. And uh, I don't think any of this will be new information to you, but I believe by the anointing of God and by the power of the Spirit, what He can do is take a few words that are, are, are man's words at times, and He can anoint those, and He can do exactly what He needs to do in each one of our hearts. And this may sound like the strangest thing in the world to you in a moment, what I'm about to say. But I'm just, I'm one of those preachers that's just very prophetic. Whatever I hear, I speak. And so I was praying all week about this, and this term kept coming up to me, uh, the term nut check. I got some attention, didn't it? And I remember in high school football, uh, it was very important that we had the right equipment. And a lot of guys said, I refused to wear my, my cup. And so the coach would grab a couple guys and say, go do a nut check. And they would literally go around and fist, you know, when you weren't looking and say nut check. And what it did was, if you weren't wearing a cup, it exposed some things, and it hurt. And I say that not, not to be funny or silly, but I was, I was, Lord, this is the silliest thing. 
But how many times as men we pose, we come to an event like this and we get excited and we can shout and we can sing and we can throw our hands up. I don't care how, how, how high you jump, how straight are you gonna walk when you leave here? That's my question. And you can't live off of experiences. You've gotta live off of some of these concepts that we know in the journey. Some of the things that Rocky set up, we gotta let go of, we gotta get some things out of our bag. And then what John did so well, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you and I mean this with joy and grace, But if you didn't walk out of here yesterday convicted and stirred up, then you were in the wrong place. But I just said, John, what a powerful message. And so today, I want to talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit being our guide on this journey. So we're used to certain terms like personal abandonment, absolute trust, self-feeding, intimate abiding relationship with Christ, uh, sacred responsibility, influencer's prayer, you know, accepting where the Lord has me in my season of life. And those are all things that are good and wonderful. But I want to talk to you about three things today. This changed my life. It's changed the lives of so many people that I've spent time with. Three words, revelation, everybody say revelation, application, and transformation. The fruit of an abider in Christ is transformation. If you are not seeing transformation in your life somewhere, then I would go back and and just in all honesty say, where are you abiding? Because if you are connected to the vine, if you are abiding, there is transformation in your life somewhere. You may not be where you want to be or where you think you should be, but you should not be where you once were. The scripture says the grace of God is not just to free us from sin in the sense of the guilt and the condemnation of it. The grace of God is to drive us to holiness. Holiness whereby which we won't see the Lord, it says. Without holiness, John talked about the pure in heart. The pure in heart does not mean perfect. It means that our heart is not divided. He said that. It means that our heart's not split in in different affections. The Greek word literally means that you're singularly focused. He read out of Luke 14 to say that you don't, it says if you don't hate all these others, then you can't be my follower. It's not saying hate them with a hatred. The Greek word means love less. Jesus should be our number one. And let me say this. I've said this for years. Pharisees, people give the Pharisees a bad rap. But the Pharisees were men that had the law. I would say if they were here today, they've been through the journey. They had all the principles. They could repeat verbatim better than many of us, but they didn't have the revelation. You can have a lot of knowledge of God. You can even apply a lot of knowledge of God, but if it's not revelation then you're not gonna have transformation. There are very very religious people. I know this because I was this man for many years. I was a Pharisee. I could quote scripture. I could, I could argue and debate scripture with the best of them, but my heart was disconnected. It was all a knowledge that the scripture I found out later puffed up. It made me prideful. It was self-righteous. It made me feel good. It made me feel good to be around a community of people that I could talk about these things with, but I did not have the intimacy with Christ. I just had head knowledge. And I wanna share with you, um, there's, there's a video that I'm gonna set up here. Uh, let me read this first. Abiding in Christ, everything in life that matters, everything in life that remains constant. The theme of this week is that Hebrews 12, right? We're calling you to the mountain of God. If you follow up after those verses, there's other verses than Hebrews 12 that says, when the Lord begins to shake, that he shakes the mountain. He says that there are a lot of things that will be removed. And he says, there are things that will be removed and there are things that will stay. It's a very difficult process. We call it maybe a a, a sifting or a shaking of the Lord. It says the things that are removed are shakable. The things that are not removed are constant. 
So anything in your life that is constant is only that which is experienced and walked out in an intimate abiding relationship with Jesus. We got a lot of religious things, a lot of wonderful things that we look at as good in our lives, but they're not God things, they're good things. We put them in the place of what God has for us. And again, I'm here today speaking to influencers. I'm here today speaking to men who are are going to the mountaintop. And one of the greatest fears and one of the greatest dangers in my uh, experience is men that get a lot of knowledge, but they miss the heart transformation. They miss the revelation. They miss the intimacy with Christ. Years ago, and, and again, just so you know, I'm really fun at parties, right? We were at this bowling event. And some group of men that I've taken through the journey, and there was about 35 of us and a handful of men, and they were going over all these stats, like they were seeing who knew the most baseball stats. And they were quoting baseball stats from 1970, 1980, and I just, I said, Charlie, wait a minute, man. I love you, brother, but you've told me over and over that you cannot memorize scripture, yet you can memorize all these things. And he just, again, I'm fun at parties, right? And I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a butthead, but I'm calling out. What's the deal? I just can't remember. I said, man, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not in that relationship, but you're not abiding in him. As John said yesterday, we have the Holy Spirit that says he will bring to remembrance all things that Jesus said. We can do this thing, but it's, again, what are we passionate about? Jesus. So John 15, I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Like John said, all means all. It means a lot. Nothing means nothing. You can do a lot of things outside of Christ, but nothing with eternal significance. Nothing with life transformation can you do outside of an intimate relationship with Jesus. Ministry, in my experience, outside of intimacy with Christ and in intimacy with Christ are night and day different. I was a worn out pastor. I was trying to fix people's problems. I was trying to be an answer man versus I just get with people and I say, look, I'm just going to take you to the king and I'm going to be here to love you, encourage you, love the hell out of you. I'll do anything I can, but I'm not your answer man. I am here to equip you to to the head and I'm here to love you and encourage you, but I'm here just to take you to him. If we abide in him, if we remain in him, if we stay connected to the vine. And I've heard every excuse in the book, but we heard this last night in our breakout group or yesterday afternoon, the word intentional, intentional, intentional. Are we being intentional? It's fine to say, I've got these things on the side that I do, but just, just don't lie about it. Just, well, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time. You've got time to do a lot of things. Your Netflix will tell a lot, right? I heard a pastor say, God created Facebook and Netflix so that when you get to heaven, you have no excuses. There's a pattern there that says how many hours that we gave to these things. Nut check, right? So I want want you to hear Aaron's testimony really quick. Aaron was a navigators guy. If you've heard of navigators, years in navigators, got born again in navigators and did all these things. And he loved Jesus and he did a lot of work for Jesus. But when he went through the journey, he came to me in tears one Sunday and he said, I've never had a revelation from God until the journey. I've had all this knowledge and I worked. I call it treadmill Christianity. You run and you run and you run, but you're not getting anywhere. You haven't gone anywhere and you're wore out and you're tired. It ultimately becomes self-righteous. You're trying to just work it in and of yourself. And what today we're saying, tighten your grip by letting go, get off the treadmill. 
So let's hear Aaron's testimony. He's a pretty raw engineer, very dry guy, but this guy has passion for Jesus. If you looked at Aaron's life before the journey, it was a poster boy for a, a Christian man of God. He was studied the word. He had all these disciplines. He had all these things that he did. He shared the, 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 the navigator's way of doing things. And again, what I love about it is God never wastes preparation time. All God's doing now is putting a flame under all the religious things that he did, and now it's so stinking powerful. But without that flame, without the revelation, without the intimacy, without the tightening our grip by letting go, it's just pride. I mean, it just blows my mind, the fruit that's coming out of this guy's life literally in the last, it's, it's a month and a half, a little bit before that, but that's the beauty of revelation. So let's get into a few things. What are some things that are tempting us, pulling us away uh, from having these revelations, from having this intimacy with Christ? And I know uh, Rocky and John, and it, sound, oh, it sounds like you guys are talking about a lot of the same things. It's not overcomplicated. John said it. It's not rocket science. It's are we going to be intentional to apply these things to our lives? So what are some things? What are some temptations in your life? You know, temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sinful. Temptation is temptation. We all are tempted. It's what do we choose to do with that temptation? That's where that relationship with Jesus comes in. That's where knowing the word, having your, your full armor on comes into place. That's where setting aside the things of this world and not dabbing and playing in the playground uh, of sin and then saying, I don't know why I'm overtaken by those things. So wouldn't you agree that Satan's a great tempter? He's just a butthead, isn't he? He knows how to get to us. We can blame Satan all day long. And he is, he is a tool uh, that, that is just, uh, many of us have been drawn away. But I want to point you to James chapter 1, verse 13. James tells us this. James is a big boy book. He said, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anybody. But each one, when he's tempted, he's drawn away by his own. Everybody say, my own. Man, that mean old nasty devil, right? By my own desires, and I'm enticed. It's not Satan, the mean, nasty. Again, he may set up temptations, all those things, but it says, don't say I'm tempted by God or even by Satan. You're drawn away by your own desires. So what we talk about even in the journey is the desire of our heart needs to change. The desires need to change. We need to get revelation. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren. So many of us... I don't know if we realize we need revelation before we can apply it. And we need revelation with application before we can have transformation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith without works is dead. We're talking about hearing the word of God. That's that revelation. It's not just reading the Bible and trying to memorize things. It's going to your king. It's one-on-one it's -on -one with him. It's learning this intimate abiding relationship with him. It's learning to change your priorities to his priorities. It's learning to say, before I say yes, I better count the cost. And that's one thing that I would just blame the American church is we don't ask people to count the cost. The, the coolest thing in the last 10 years, the sexiest thing in the last 10 years in the American church is spontaneous baptisms. I can't stand spontaneous baptisms. That's just me personally. If you, if you spontaneously baptize today, that's on you. But I'm a guy that says, no, 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 don't make an emotional decision and run into the water. Stop, stop. Think about what you're, what you're getting into. 
Think about this cost of discipleship. Think about are you willing to lay down your life? Think about are you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing to have these long-term conversations? Does that make sense this morning? We have, we have played in the American church on emotionalism. If we can just get people to feel really bad because we make them feel bad in a sermon, get them to run to an altar, we've done our job. And I'm saying, no, there's a long term. That person is a soul that needs cultivated and needs a spiritual father to walk with them on their journey. They need someone there to constantly drive them vertical to Jesus, not to get in the way and say, you just come to me and I'm your pastor and I will pray and I will be the answer man and I'll tell you, no, no, no. I'm here to love you and to hold you and to take off my shoes because this is holy ground. You've been abused, you've been hurt, you've had loss in your life. I'm not here to try to make it all better. I'm here to take you to Jesus because he knows what you need. I don't. I get to be a man in your life and love you and encourage you, but guess what? I can only do that with a handful. Jesus did it with 12. I'm not Jesus. I can do it with a handful, and then I raise up others who will do it with a handful, and others, and before you know it, you have an early church movement, addition, one plus one, one plus two, two plus three, and then it says, the Lord added to the church daily. Later on in the book of Acts, it says, and the Lord multiplied the disciples. But we got to get this revelation from the Lord. we got to bring our deeds into the light. John 3 says, everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they've been done in God. I just wrote a book. Each one of you got a book in, in the packet, Abiding in Identity. And it's a whole conversation about who you are in Christ and, and the, just getting into all these other identities and trying to say, wait a minute, what is my true identity? But as Rocky said, we're going to have moments of sin in our life. First John tells us that we do not live lifestyles of sin, but we're going to fall into sin at times, and we have an advocate, all that stuff. But when you sin in your life, do you say, oh, crap, God's going to be mad, and I've got to kind of shy away from him for a couple weeks until I feel better? Or do you say, Abba, Father, I have sinned against the holy God and I love you. See, that shows you if you've lived in that abiding relationship, if you have that revelation from him. God's holy and he says, if you've sinned, he, he knows it. He wants to bring you in, not say, go do penance. All the stuff Rocky talked about. But are we bringing our deeds into the light? And, and again, I'm speaking, uh, we, we can lay out all the horrible sins, right? The nasty sins. I'm speaking more to the spiritual discipline sins that we allow to get in, in the place of God. We come to prayer and as all we do is talk and leave and God's saying, that's not abiding. You're not listening to a word I'm saying. Years ago, my prayer life changed completely when I learned to just meditate in the Lord, wait on him. I got this revelation years ago from the Lord and it, I taught this in our Wednesday night one, one year and I got a lot, of, a lot of rough mail and bad conversations afterwards because this is what the Lord showed me. Nate, I've already promised all these needs would be provided. Stop asking me for all your needs. That's a waste of our time. Just be with me. Rest with me. I already promised I would take care of those needs. When you come to me, remain in me. Wait on me. Listen to what I have to say. Read my word. Declare my word back to me. Agree with my word over your life. Speak my word over your life. He said he would take care of these things, but an unrighteous son says, but I still got to ask him. I still got to know. Years ago, I went to college, and I came home from college in the summer, and I, I went into my mom's house, and I said, hey, can, can I uh, get some food out of the refrigerator? And she, she gave me the nastiest look. She, it's your house. Do what you want to do. I mean, it's your food. And I, something in me, when I had left and gone to college, it was like, wait a minute, this is no longer, you're my son. It's all yours. So do we see God this way? 
Do we see God as someone that just forgives us of our sin every time we go through this cycle of sin? Or do we see God that we present our sin to him, our struggles? Well, you're a pastor and you just don't have any problems. Hey, just, just my history is jacked up. I was sexually abused. I was addicted to porn. My dad abused me. My dad left. I had daddy issues. I had daddy wounds. I had emotional dysfunction. It's been a process of years after year. Just a few years ago, I was still finding healing from emotional dysfunction because that's the jacked up world we live in, but I'm walking hand in hand with Jesus. That's what it, that's what it is. And that's what we want from you today. So what is the revelation that you need from God? You don't, let me say this and be careful. You can get absolute revelation from a teacher or a preacher, but we teach you guys to self-feed. I think it's great that a preacher, and, and I love that, I think that's part of our corporate you know, gatherings that we need to have, but if you're not in that intimate place where you're getting divine revelation from God on a regular basis, then you're missing out. You're missing some things. You're not able to apply what he gives you. I hope this is making sense to you guys. It's the simple example of marriage, and I, and I use it a lot with, with, with my wife. We have a great marriage, but it's not because I go once a week and have sex with her, and that's a very intimate time. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the daily devotion and commitment and talking and being together and loving one another and encourage one another and lots of sex. Yes, I, we have a great marriage. But it's not a once a week journey group or it's not a once a week Sunday morning or whatever that, it's about daily remaining connected with her. And that's just a horizontal relationship. What about this Jesus? What about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Ephesians 5 says, do not be partakers, and it says, with the Gentiles and their unrighteousness. For you were once in darkness, but now you're in light. I, I challenge you, read the book that I gave you. It shows you the clarity of what you once were versus what you're supposed to be. You were once in darkness, but now you're in the light. Walk as children of the light. Don't walk as that old man. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Do not fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Oh, I just like to hang around it because I'm going to be a light. If you're there, your light should expose the darkness. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all these things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We should be living as new men. Right now, is your heart and or your mind a place that God, that you would want God to shine his light on? See, Jesus didn't come to get us a get-out-of-hell-free ticket. Salvation is not about getting out of hell. Salvation is about restoration of the Father to the, to the people, to us. And then it begins this journey, which I believe will be forever. It's not about racking up points on this side for the other side. It's about relationship with him. And we've, we're doing a series on Jesus at our church, and it's, if Jesus was a lunatic, the C.S. Lewis quote, if he was a liar, then you can do, you've got better things to do than, than do this thing called Jesus. But if he was Lord, that means he is Lord. That means he's Lord over every area of your life. That means he's Lord over things that you should be submitting to him. That means you should be able to, I should be able to, we should be able to give our entire lives to him. We should be able to set other things aside. We should be able to live and walk in holiness. That's a scary word for so many people. So many people have taught, well, holiness is just not for, it's for the other side. Read your Bible. Talk to Jesus. 
I love this. I love talking about the things of God. There are so many things in my life that I used to struggle with and horizontal things, and now I wake up and I don't struggle with them anymore. For years, it was Jesus. I'm, I'm struggling, and he's helping me. And then the, he, he began to remove those burdens. We so focus on the sin and so focus on the issues instead of focusing on Jesus. I learned years ago, I changed my approach to all ministry. I quit trying to manage people's sin and help people in their sin. And I just said, I'm going to give you Jesus. Well, that's pretty simple. But it's the answer. I have watched guys addicted. I have seen marriages restored. I have seen guys come off of things that were on things that couldn't get out. Chemical dependencies, codependencies, brokenness. I've seen people come out of sexual deviancy. All these things, not because we said, you got to get better. It's because we just introduced them to Jesus and Jesus loved them and restored them and healed them, gave them revelation and began to bring a process of transformation in their life. P uh, uh, Brian read uh, 2 Corinthians the other night about the face of Moses and then about how we have this glory. It says we all with an open or an unveiled face, we don't have to veil our face, are beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. That Greek word is metamorphosis or metamorpho, which is where we get our English word metamorphosis. It's a transformation. You go in a caterpillar, you come out a butterfly. You go in a sinner, you come out a saint. You go in a bastard, you come out a son. You go in an orphan, you come out a son. That's what we're talking about. And you live that out in your life, but it comes with this revelation. It comes with application of revelation. There's such a danger in a mind that is not renewed to God's word because if you're, if you're battling in your mind, the enemy will win every time. Sin will win every time. The scripture says sin is a powerful thing, but it's that mind where you're renewing that mind to God's word. You're allowing his revelation. I'll say this, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but uh, I, somebody needs to hear this. Years ago, I remember just my wife in a season where we were just, uh, we have a phenomenal marriage and Parenting's been difficult for us, but marriage has always been easy. But I remember she just kind of made a, a comment to me, a kind of a, a hurtful comment. She was hurt and just how of an unromantic guy I am. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the least romantic guy you'll ever meet. I just, it's just not in my wheelhouse. And I tried things and it, it just doesn't work. And, and I was extremely hurt and I went to the Lord and I said, God, I said, you're my all in all. You created this woman. What does she need? Show me, Lord. And he gave me two things. And I did those things. And weeks later, she came to me and she was just blown away. You're the most romantic man. I'm sorry I said that. I said, well, no, I'm not. <laughs> but I went to God and I said, what does she need? Too simple. And they were not even, if you read romance, if you read psalmist, David, it wasn't romantic at all, but it's what she needed. That's divine revelation. I'm sitting with a lady recently and people, somebody had brought her from another state and said, we hear you've got a great deliverance ministry. I don't know what's going on in this lady, blah, blah. So we began to talk and she's processed. I said, whoa, 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 wait. My counseling sessions are not very long. I just, we get straight to the point. Let's talk about Jesus. And the Lord began to show me things. I began to ask her questions. She just goes, how did you know that? I said, I didn't. The Holy Spirit knew it. She's bawling like a baby. She, uh, the revelation's coming and it's just blowing her mind and her friend's sitting over there going, how do you know these things? And I said, I don't know. She knows me. This lady's never met me. It's called divine revelation. She took those things and applied them, and now her life is turning slowly because she's now with Jesus. She was a very religious woman who was doing a lot of right things. Let me give you a few thoughts here. I, I shared this at our church a year, a year, well, last, no, it was this year, and it just got such a good, good response that I felt like I needed to share it. 
We say to ourselves, I would never do, but I. I would never fornicate or commit adultery, but I allow lust to run rampant in my mind. Porn, romance novels, what I allow myself to look at. I would never walk in the lust of the eyes, but I live in jealous comparison of what I don't have and what I perceive others do. I would never endorse sinful behaviors. No, Christians don't do that, and yet I do every time I watch and listen to them on media. Matter of fact, not only do I watch and listen to them, I pay for it. Yeah, nut check. (laughs) This is probably not for you guys, probably for another group we're speaking to next week, but we pay for it. Where are the men today? What's going on with the men? And then we're, we're paying for them to, to feed their sin. But we, I would never do that. See, we need revelation from God. Lord, what needs to change? See, what my thinking is I could come up here and give you a list of things, or I could just list off the things we already did, self-feed, abiding in Christ, intimacy, vertically driven. Those are all great things if you have the revelation of God, if you walk with him in that proximity and that intimacy with him. I would never murder, but I have unforgiveness and offense in my heart that wishes others evil. I would never steal from God, but I'm not a good steward with my money for what he's given for his glory. I would never allow my kids to fill in the blank, yet I don't invest the time into disciplining them God's way. It's not the church's job to disciple your kids, it's your job. The church is a partnership with that. An average church in America may have 40 hours a year with your kids if you bring them consistently. Most people don't. And then we say, well, I have parents consistently. My 21-year-old, he's not living out his faith, Nate. I can't tell you the amount of conversations that I've had. And I've said, yeah, he is. He's living what he believes. No, we didn't raise him that way. We had him in church every Sunday. You have faith, but he never picked up on your faith. It's not osmosis. You didn't disciple him. That's how I counsel people. I don't have a very big counseling ministry. But it was over and over. I tell these parents, you've lost the battle at this point. Now you think you've done good because you got them in church or because you got them in a journey group or because you walked with them. And no, you've got to disciple them. Well, what's that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about that. None of this is to shame any of us. None of this is to discourage us. It's to encourage us this morning. I would never allow ungodly idols in my house, but I live in idolatry. I put things above God. 1 John 5, 21, the Amplified says, little children, keep yourselves from idols, from anything and everything that occupy the place in your heart that's due to God. Anything you put in that place. You can put a good thing between you and God, and now it's an idol. I can put my spouse between God that he said, Nate, she's good, I gave her to you, but now it's an idol. You can put religion and the work of the ministry, which I see a lot of pastors do that, the work of the ministry above their relationship with God, that's idolatry. I would never do satanic rituals, and yet I openly embrace the demonic in music and movies. Wow. Hallelujah. So, moving into the closing thoughts. I would ask you, when, when we dismiss here in a few minutes, uh, the Sherpas will have your questions. Uh, I think they somehow didn't get in the, in the document there, but you'll have those questions with your Sherpas to go back and ask. But begin to journal You may be here and you say, Nate, I don't feel encouraged. I feel condemned. Well, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. If you feel convicted, begin to start start a new journal and write down all the things in your life that you would say, failure, screwing up, not getting right. Write those things down and then present them to your king and say, Jesus, I want to get off the treadmill. I want to put the armor back on. I don't want to be exposed. I can't do this on my own. And he says, welcome to the kingdom. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The Greek word poor there means, it's tokos. It means bankrupt, beggingly dependent. It's not like you come to the cross bankrupt and beggingly dependent and walk away. You live in that place with Jesus. I just wrote a whole book on that one called Abiding at the Feet of Jesus. It just breaks down the Beatitudes. Well, I can't have a pure heart. If you're broken before the Lord, you can absolutely have a pure heart. Well, I can't be meek. Well, if you're broken before the Lord. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's the Greek word penthos, and it means to get what's on the inside out. Write these things down. Take them to the Lord. And I guarantee you, one by one, he'll begin to deal. Some of them will just fall right off. Others, you might have to get some horizontal help. You might have to go to celebrate recovery. You might have to get in some counseling. You may have to work with some men. But get the revelation from God and say, what does this look like in my life, Lord? And then, hallelujah, then begin to check them off. Don't throw it away. Check them off. Scribble through them. Remind yourself, that's what I once was. Even in Christ, that's what he's removed from my life. Get some horizontal accountability in life if it's a journey, buddy. And say, look, this week God's delivering me from this thing. Check it off. Celebrate those things. But if you're not transparent, if you're not in community with somebody, you're not going to have those things. One of the greatest uh, fearful things is when people say, it's me and God. I don't need anybody horizontally. Jim Jones is calling. David Koresh is calling, right? That's, that's some dangerous. You need horizontal community. None of these things can be shaken or taken away without an intimate fellowship with Christ. We got guys, and again, I'm not here to offend anybody. I don't mean this offensive, but we got guys who come into our church and we've we just connected with them. They're journey guys, and they'll say, well, I'm an alcoholic. I've always been an alcoholic because that's my thing. And I'll say, no, you're still identifying as an alcoholic. Let's introduce you to... I once was an alcoholic. No, no, my safety thing is I'm, and again, I get it. Some guys, that's their way, and I'm not hammering you or making, but I have watched guys who walked in. I'll, I'll always be an alcoholic because I have to protect my, myself. That's the way I, I, I don't drink. And six months, a year later saying, I'm not, an, I'm a son of God, I'm free. I'm still not drinking, but it's not because I'm not, a, uh, I'm an alcoholic and I've got to have sin management. It's because I'm free and whom the son is set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. I've seen it over and over in all kinds of areas. Nate, I've always been addicted to porn. Well, let's change that. Your identity is not porn addiction. <laughs> Your identity is in Christ as a son, as holy and pure and all those things. So I, I'm going to say four things here, and then I'm going to read something, and we'll be done. I felt this so strong today. There are people in here today that you are like Peter. I have to say this, guys. We, we had a, a group of guys years ago that went to Teen Challenge, and one of the guys was speaking. He'd never spoke up in front of people before. <laughs> he was talking on Peter. He was really serious, really, and he said, we all got a little Peter in us. <laughs> and it was over. Those guys, he never got the conversation back. But we're more mature than that, right? Those were teenagers. Some of you have a little Peter in you this morning. You're following Jesus, but you're falling a lot. You're following Jesus, but you're falling a lot. You may be in a season where you've betrayed Jesus, and he wants to give you a John 21 restoration experience, where he called Peter back, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And he did all of that. And what was Peter's response? Oh, Lord, I'll do whatever you said. No, no. Peter immediately looked horizontally and said, well, what about John? Jesus wants to restore. You may be a Paul in here. This was me years ago. Zealous about religious things, but very self-righteous. 
God is knocking you off your religious horse and he's gonna redirect your path to intimacy with him. Again, people who know me today don't realize the religious butthead I was. I was a jerk and I did it under the guise of religion. Number three, John, you're walking in intimacy with God. You're doing things for God. And I've, I felt this one very strongly. You're, do, you're going around on your journey and you are intimate with God and all the things are great, but he's looking at you like he did on the cross and he's saying, I'm going to reassign you to something that is closest to my heart. Because Jesus looked at John and he said, John, take care of Mary, your mother. It's now your mother, mother's son. I just felt that so strongly and it's gonna not make sense to you. And it's, guess what? It's not about you. He's gonna reassign you to some things and it may be uncomfortable and it may be like, well, wait a minute, Lord, but he's reassigning you to something that is so precious to him that he's trusting you with that. Does that make sense? And then Judas, some of you are Judas in here. You're lost in the church. We talk a lot about proximity. Judas was in proximity with Christ and missed the whole thing. There's Judas, you're lost in the church. Galatians talks about uh, the Ishmaels and the Isaacs. They both had the same father, but one was the man of the flesh and one was the man of the spirit. You're an Ishmael in the church. You've repented of your sins. You made Jesus Lord of your life, but for some reason, it's just not connecting. You're hanging around what God is doing, but your heart's not been transformed. And if that's you, there's quick repentance that's needed. As a, as a ministry, we're not calling you to a program. We're calling you to a person. We talk about form and function. The function is discipleship. The form can be a hundred different ways. The journey is a form and it works. We know it works. Why, why complicate it? We're not calling you to a church program. We're calling you to Jesus. We're calling you to the mountain. And then we can use programs. We can use institutions. We can use the body, uh, the, the way it's set up, but we're not calling you to that. We're calling you to Jesus. So let me ask you this morning as I close, I promise this is my closing. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? In Genesis, he is the breath of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and our lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. Who is this Jesus? In First and Second Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he's our salvation. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. For I know that my Redeemer lives. In Psalms, he's our great shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning of our existence. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover and the bridegroom. Who is this Jesus that we're inviting you unto? In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the four-faced four man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And Amos, he bears our burdens. And Obadiah, he's mighty to save. And Jonah, he's our great missionary. I ask you this morning, who is this Jesus? And Micah, he's the messenger of beautiful feet. And Nahum, he is the original avenger of God's elect. And Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, revive thy work in the midst of the years. And Zephaniah, he's our savior. And Haggadai, he's a restorer of God's heritage. And Zechariah, 
Messiah. He's the fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness. And Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Who is this Jesus, I ask you? And Matthew, he's Messiah. And Mark, he's wonder worker. And Luke, he's the son of man. And John, he is the son of God. And Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. And Romans, he is our justifier. And first and second Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. And Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is the God who supplies all of our needs. We are calling you to this man, Jesus. Who is this Jesus? In Philippians, he's the uh, God who supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our soon and coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he mediates between God and man. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is the great physician, for the prayer of faith will save the sick. And first and second Peter, he is our chief shepherd who shall soon appear with a crown of unfading glory. And first and second and third John, he is love. And Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. In Revelations, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I say today, who is this Jesus? He's Abel's sacrifice. He's Noah's rainbow. He's Abraham's ram. He's Isaac's wealth. He's Jacob's scepter. He's Moses' rod. He's Joshua's sun and moon that stood still. He's Elijah's mantle. He's Elijah's staff. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samuel's horn of oil. He's David's slingshot. He's Isaiah's fig. He's Hezekiah's sundial. He's Daniel's vision. He's Amos' burden. He's Malachi's son of righteousness. He is Peter's shadow, Stephen's signs and wonders, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. He's John's pearly wide city. He is a father to the orphan. He's husband to the widow. He's uh, to the traveler in the night. He's the bright and morning star. To those who walk in the lonesome valley, he is the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon and the honey in the rock. He is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, the king of glory, the pearl of great price, the rock in a weary land, the cup that runneth over, the rod and the staff that comfort, and the government of our lives upon his shoulders. Who is this Jesus? He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, our Savior, my companion, Lord and King. Father, we give you glory. Lord, we declare your righteousness. Lord, we praise your holy name. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We declare your righteousness. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lord, we give it to you today. We give it to you today, Lord, as we dismiss right now, we thank you that somewhere in all of that, there's revelation from you, whatever we are needing. You said you've already provided it, but you just asked that we come. As Rocky said, we've got to empty. As John said, we've got to apply. Lord, we thank you right now. Woo-wee. That you are. You are all of those things. And yet... As, as we dismiss, you are my God and you are each one of ours. Father, faithful friend, you said, I don't, being a servant's a fruit of your relationship with me, but I don't call you servants, I call you friends. For a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. You are my friend. To the orphan in here, you are his son. That was my wrestling for years. You are accepted in the beloved. To the chronic sinner that's still struggling, says he is the faithful groom. 
God, we give this to you, we release all of it to you, and we say thank you. We thank you not just for the cross, we thank you for the seating in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You said you've brought us together to sit with you. Lord, help us understand the revelation of who we truly are in you. Give us revelation, Lord. God, there is a unity and a love in this place that, that it's, it's unique. And as we leave here today, Lord, let us experience that from you first, but then, Lord, as we go about our, our, our times this afternoon, loving one another, horizontally encourage one another. <laughs> Jesus. Amen. Well, you guys are dismissed. Go to your groups and be blessed. Well, I hope you enjoyed that talk by Nate Sweeney, uh, tightening your grip by letting go. Again, another great talk that happened at our National Summit a few weeks back. This has been the Influencers Network podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Craig, and I, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will uh, go to our website and uh, check out the other resources we have as far as videos, podcasts, blogs, lots of information, and, and make sure you're on our daily email list where you'll get uh, announcements about things going on with influencers all over the country. So you guys are a big part of this ministry. We want to make sure that everybody stays connected. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.